Hey everybody, my name is Alan Gigax, and welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. Today we are going to talk about carrier endorsements. These are the reasons for non-delivery that we put on people's mail that let the sender know why that mail is coming back to them. You may have heard these referred to in two categories, bundled endorsements and individual endorsements. And for most carriers today, those labels don't mean anything. They date back to a time when we used to have to hand write the reason for non-delivery on the pieces of mail. With individual endorsements, we had to write it on every single piece. Whereas with bundled endorsements, you could just write it on the top piece and then rubber band them all together and that would count as endorsing every single one of them. But today, we use trays and buckets. At least that's the way they do it at my station and that's the way it is at most stations around the country. So there will be trays for letters that have the carrier endorsements written right on the end of the tray, attempted not known, no such number, whatever it is, and you just put the letter in the tray that corresponds to the appropriate endorsement. Same for buckets. We have buckets that are labeled the same way and you put the flats in with those. Now, before we get into the actual endorsements, it's important to remind you guys of a general rule. We deliver the mail as it is addressed. We are delivering to the address. It is actually the recipient who has the obligation to give back any mail that doesn't belong to them. We are supposed to deliver the mail unless there is a known reason for non-delivery, unless you are sure that it is undeliverable as addressed. If you are sure that it can't be delivered, fine, go ahead, return it. But, you know, if it says Johnson and Jackson in the mailbox and you get something for Jones, how sure are you that there's no Jones there? Well, whoever's sending that mail is paying us to put it in that mailbox, and that's what we're supposed to do. Again, if you're sure, yeah, fine, go ahead, return it. But if you're not sure, it needs to go in the box. And we don't have to check names on all the mail that we deliver. You can do it as a courtesy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But the mail doesn't have to go only to Sally Johnson. If the mailer wants the mail to only go to Sally Johnson, they can pay for what's called restricted delivery. It costs an extra three bucks or something like that. And that's their way of saying, hey, we only want the mail to go to this person. Please make sure it goes to that person and nobody else. If they don't pay for restricted delivery, we're delivering to the address. All right, so with that covered, now we're going to get into the carrier endorsements. We're going to talk about each endorsement, give you the abbreviation for it, and tell you what it's used for. The first one is our most common carrier endorsement, and that is ANK, attempted not known. And what that means is simply that person does not live at that address, or they don't receive mail there. So we attempted to deliver the mail. That person's not known at that address. So when the uh, recipient writes, doesn't live here, not at this address, wrong address, you know, whatever it is that customers like to write on the mail, that's what's happening. That is literally attempted, not known. So we'll return the mail as such. At my station in our carrier and door track, we actually have two trays for attempted, not known because it's so common and we probably get as much attempted not known as all the other carrier endorsements combined. All right, next, NSN, no such number. That means that the number part of the address is wrong. So on my route, I have a street, Meadow Glen Way, and you know the numbers are 4158, 4168. So if I get one that's going to 4154, 
I know that there is no 4154, that's no such number. The number part of the address is wrong. Or if you have an apartment complex and all the numbers are in the thousands and you get one that's going to apartment six, well, that's wrong. There is no apartment six. It's the number part of the address that's wrong. Next is a no such street. If the street part of the address is wrong, that's no such street, NSS. And example of that on my route, I have Meadow Glen Way and Meadow Glen Circle, but there is no Meadow Glen Terrace or Parkway or whatever. So if they try to send mail to one of those other ones, that would be no such street. Or maybe they accidentally write out Meadow Grove. Now, there is such a thing as making the save where you might be able to figure out where that mail goes and deliver it anyway, and that'll be a topic for another episode. Uh, don't let any of this discourage you from making the save. If you can make the save and deliver the mail, by all means, go ahead. Unless it has an ancillary service endorsement on it, because in that case, the mailer actually wants to know if the address is not right, and they're willing to pay the post office for that information. So if we deliver mail uh, that has a bad address, and it's an ancillary service endorsement, we're not giving the customer what they're paying for, and we're not getting the post office the money they want. All right, so anyway, moving on. The next carrier endorsement is IA, insufficient address. So this means that there is not enough information to deliver the mail. Most common use of this is somebody mails something to an apartment complex, and there's no apartment number. So we can't deliver. We don't have enough information. Or on my route, I have Meadow Glen Way and Meadow Glen Circle, and they have the exact same house numbers. So if you just send something to 4158 Meadow Glen, that ain't going to work. I don't know. Is it way or is it circle? I don't have enough information, and that's why it's insufficient address. Next, UTF, unable to forward. Uh, this used to be FOE, forward order expired, but now we call it UTF. So we forward people's mail for up to 18 months. That's how long we'll send it through the forwarding system. For the first 12 months, it goes to the new address. And then for the remaining six months, it gets returned to sender with a sticker on it that says, hey, these people moved, please update your mailing records. After that 18 months, then their forward is fully expired and that mail becomes UTF. Incidentally, periodicals, or what old timers call second class mail, we only forward for 60 days. So those first two copies of Women's Health Magazine, yeah, we'll forward those. But that third one, it's getting returned to sender as UTF. Women's Health better started setting it to the new address by then. If you send something to CFS and there is no forward on file, it's going to come back to you with this yellow sticker on it. And the yellow sticker reads word for word, unable to forward. After that, it says for review. And what's supposed to happen is the carrier is supposed to take that back to their case. They look at their 3982, the pink cards, and see, is there a forward on file for this person? Maybe CFS just made a mistake. But at my station, a lot of the mail that's in that UTF tray is just the mail with the yellow stickers on it. So that's fine. You know, ultimately, it gets returned to sender. Nothing bad happens. Uh, that's okay to put in there. But the intended purpose is for mail that had a forward, but now that forward is expired. The mail that's just undeliverable, that should go into attempted not known, A-N-K. Next, NMR, no mail receptacle. So it means they have no mailbox or they don't have a valid mailbox. So plenty of people take down their mailbox. Maybe they open a PO box instead. Maybe it's a vacation house. Maybe who knows what's the reason. 
that's fine. If they don't have a mailbox, we don't deliver the mail, that's easy. Or they, if they don't have a valid mailbox, maybe they used to have um, a sidewalk delivery, and then they move their mailbox up to the front door. We tell them, hey, you can't have it at the front door. It's got to be out of the sidewalk with everybody else. If they don't move it, that's no mail receptacle because it is not a valid mail receptacle. Now, that's up to the regular carriers who enforce, and unfortunately, once we've been delivering to a place for a while, well, now we're stuck with it. I mean, there's some areas where I deliver mail where carriers have allowed the resident to put up just a, a milk crate that has the word mail on it and it's bungee corded to a tree and that's their mailbox. Is that a valid mail receptacle? No. But often these are low-income people and they're doing the best they can. And at least a milk crate's nice and big. So, you know, it's easy to fit all the mail in there. So that's something. But anyway, that's no mail receptacle. Uh, this can also be used if you have a continuing problem of no access. Somebody has a gate and they keep locking their gate so that we can't get to the mailbox. Well, if we can't get to the mailbox, that's the same as not having a mailbox. And so you're going to talk to your supervisor, explain the situation, and then with their approval, you start returning that mail as a no mail receptacle. I have definitely done that on my route. Eventually, when uh, you know things stop showing up, they finally got the idea and left the gate open. The other thing you have to consider with no mail receptacle is if you are doing a pivot, a handoff, a bump, whatever they call it in your area, where you take a portion of someone else's route, um, maybe there is a mailbox and you just can't find it. So, you know, if it's not your route, be thoughtful about returning this no mail receptacle. Uh, maybe the better move is just to rubber band it, bring it back, set it on the regular carrier's case, and what I'll do is put like NMR question mark, and then the regular carrier will see it when they get back, and they'll be like, oh yeah, they have a mailbox, it's just hidden in the bushes, something like that. All right, next, refused, R-E-F, refused. Guys, customers can refuse any unopened mail. We're not going to force mail upon them. If they don't want it, they can refuse it. We'll send it back as refused. No problem. Refused, they don't want it. But here's a very important caveat to that. They can only refuse an individual piece, a specific piece. They can say, I don't want that letter. What they cannot do is have a standing order of refusal. They can't say, for example, no ads. If they have that note in their box that says no ads and today's ad day, that ad's going right on top of the note. We are paid by the mailer to put that stuff in the box. Customers can absolutely refuse their ads in person or on the specific piece. If they don't want it, they can write refused on it, give it back. Okay, no problem. That's valid. So if I'm delivering to an apartment complex or a cluster box and somebody says to me, hey, I'm in box number 12, I don't want an ad. No problem. I'll drop it right in the U-boom. No big deal. Who cares? But again, if they just have that note in the box that says no junk mail, ads going right on top of that. Oh, and another thing for refused is this is a good way to handle damaged parcels. So when I get a parcel that's damaged, I'm going to scan it as damaged first thing in the morning, and I'm going to mark it up. I'm going to put the stickers on it, you know, received in damaged condition. And then when I go to deliver it, I'm going to knock on the door, wait for the person to answer and say, hey, this box came through. It's really damaged. Let me give you a choice. You can either accept it and hopefully what's in there is still okay, or you can refuse it and I'll just send it back right now. 
And in many cases, if, if what's inside is obviously destroyed, that is much, much easier on the customer because then they don't have to worry about trying to repackage it, you know, figure it out, file a claim, get new postage, anything like that. They just refuse it. I send it back for them. So uh, by all means, feel free to do that for your customers when you get damaged packages. Next, ILL, illegible. Pretty straightforward. You can't read what's written. If it's just scribbles and you can't make it out, as so be it. A lot of times the barcode on the mail will still be good. So on your scanner, in your regular scan barcode screen, just above escape, there's a little magnifying glass. If you tap that magnifying glass, the uh, screen turns yellow and you can scan that intelligent mail barcode and it'll actually look up the address and you can get the address that way. If that doesn't work or you just don't feel like doing it, illegible is illegible and that's a perfectly valid reason to return to sender. I'll tell you the one that breaks my heart is when that yellow sticker comes through that the mail has been through our forwarding system, but the yellow sticker is unreadable. Ah, oh, post office, get your act together, man. So I have returned those as illegible, bums me out, but what are you gonna do? If I can't tell where it goes, I can't tell where it goes. Next, TA, temporarily away. So these people don't live there right now, but they will be back. This is common for like snowbirds. They're gonna move away in June, July, and August, and then they come back in September. So that lets the mailer know that no, I can't deliver this. It's essentially attempted not known, but it, that will change and they will be back at some point. For most carriers, this is just going to be attempted not known. You know, if you don't know they're gonna be back, fine. Just return it as attempted not known. But again, if you do, then you can mark it as temporarily away. Next, vacant, V-A-C, vacant. So that means the house is completely empty. But guys, it's very important to note that this is only to be used for mail that's addressed to occupant, resident, postal customer, some generic thing like that. If the mail is addressed to Jaime Gonzalez, then we're gonna return that as attempted not known. If it says Jaime Gonzalez or current resident, then we're gonna return it as vacant. But only mail that's addressed to like generic occupants should be returned as vacant. Next, unclaimed. UNC, unclaimed. So this is for mail that never got picked up. Um, that's it. So the mail sits around at the post office. They never come down and grab it. That's unclaimed. Uh, typically, we hold that mail for 10 days, but there may be different policies where you are or depending on what the mail, what type of mail it is. Uh, this is also the one that we'll use when the mailbox gets full. So you're delivering to an apartment complex. People don't pick up their mail. And finally, we just can't stuff any more mail in there. So we're going to pull all that mail out. It all comes back to the station where we hold it for another 10 days. At my station in my area, we have these slips that we put in the box that said, hey, your mailbox is full. I couldn't put any more in there. Now it's being held at the post office. So we wait that 10 days. And at the end of that 10 days, if they still haven't come picked it up, then it's unclaimed. And all the preferential mail, we're going to return the sender as unclaimed. And the non-preferential mail will go into the UBM, undeliverable bulk business mail. Interestingly, at the end of that 10 days, if the people still live there and they just haven't claimed their mail, all of that mail gets returned to sender, and then we start filling the box again. It's crazy, but the cycle just continues because they have to be given the opportunity to claim their mail. So three weeks from now, if they go down there to grab their mail and there's nothing in there, 
well, they haven't had that 10 days opportunity to pick up their mail again. So again, once we empty it, we wait that 10 days, return it as unclaimed, then we fill it back up again. Next one, DIS, in dispute. Very unlikely you're going to encounter this, uh, but just so you know what it is, it is for mail that um, they can't decide what to do with the mail. Like for a divorcing couple, and the husband and the wife both want the mail, and so a legal counsel will declare the mail to be in dispute. You'll get some kind of notice from a legal authority that tells you that that's what you're supposed to do with the mail. I don't really know much about it. I've never seen it in my career. I've been with the post office 17 years. And maybe you'll see it one day, but that's what that is, in dispute. And finally, the last one is DEC, deceased. This is when somebody dies, obviously. So with deceased mail, that mail is in many cases still deliverable. Even if you know that person died, we should still deliver the mail for a couple of reasons. Number one, we deliver to the address, but number two, it is often deliverable to the next of kin. So their children, their spouse, whoever is handling their estate, they might need that mail. So we can't just return it as deceased. They have to make that decision. That's their decision to make. That's not our decision to make. That's not for us to decide, oh, they don't want this check from the life insurance company. I'm just going to return it as deceased. You know, Or they don't want this medical bill. I'm going to return it as deceased. That's up to the next of kin. If you're not sure how to handle it or what they want done, you can return it as attempted not known because, yeah, that person doesn't live there anymore. But deceased should really be handled by the next of kin. And if you put deceased mail into that carrier endorsed rack, that one still has to be hand endorsed. You have to write DEC on that mail. You just can't throw a stack of letters in there and all you know mark as deceased. They have to be hand endorsed. And that's it. That's all of our carrier endorsements. Thanks for sticking with me. And I look forward to seeing you for the next topic.